Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Hey everybody, welcome to Atheist Experience. We are live. It is Sunday, November 3rd, 2013. I'm Matt Dillahunty and uh, this is John Iacoletti. Hey. Who's actually been on before. One time before. Some of you may, it's, yes, we are keeping our bald goatee tradition alive. It's uh, a requirement. Yeah. Um, John has been with the show longer than I have, actually, right? I started in, no, uh, I started in 2006, right after okay. you started, uh, you started working on the crew. You were with the group before then? It's yeah. Like... Yeah, I actually joined the ACA in 1998, I believe. Wow. And, uh, when I was still a Christian. <laughs> so, so yeah. it's a, by the way, this is a live uh, call-in show that we do on public access TV in Austin. We also stream it over the Internet. Uh, Atheist-experience.com is the website for all of that stuff, but uh, we're going to take live calls in a little bit, but I figured since John only had been on once before, we'd talk a little bit about your history, your kind of path from wherever to how we got here. Okay, yeah. Um, unlike most of the hosts on the show, I don't have a deconversion story because I was I was raised, uh, I, you know, I was never taught by somebody that I trust to believe in a God, so I've never been a believer. Um that's still kind of unusual among most atheists uh, in this culture, anyway. Wait a generation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We could see something different there, but uh, uh, my older brother was baptized Roman Catholic to please the Italian grandparents, and I was baptized Greek Orthodox to please the Greek grandparents, and that was kind of the extent of our religious upbringing until uh, I was about four, and my brother started first grade. And he came home crying one day because one of the kids in his class said, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. And that scared him. And uh, my mom said, you know, I really want to give these kids some kind of religious identity to try to insulate them from this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And we grew up in Albuquerque, so that's not really, um, you know, Bible Belt country by any means. But, you know, it was still there. So uh, she went off and joined the Unitarian Church in Albuquerque. Sure. And back in the 60s, Unitarian churches, you know, and every church is kind of has its own flavor, but uh, especially in the West in the 60s, uh, it was mostly humanistic, uh, and a lot of them still are. Um, Unitarian churches, and maybe next time I'm on, I can kind of give a little spiel on UU, because we, we get some email about that. Um, well, what we can say is that um, there's a lot of stuff going on right now in the atheist movement. 
including some things that have been identified as atheist church. Um, there's the uh, in the UK there's the uh, I forget forget the name of it, but there's a basically it's a it's a gathering um, uh, of non-believers. And my friend Jerry Dewitt, who's been on the show before, mm-hmm. has actually uh, had something that other people have dubbed atheist church, although he's not really a fan of it. But it's it's similar to you churches, except that you churches kind of tend to be open to all kinds of ideas. And, you know, some of them people, there are going to be believers of some stripe and some are not. Right. And these things that others are putting together are specifically um, kind of churches for non-believers. And primarily, they're, they're there to serve... Um, a need within the atheist community because there are a lot of people who are relieving religions who are, you know, losing their social network groups. And some people actually really like and enjoy the let's gather together and let's sing and, you know, have kind of a communal activity. Um, And they miss that. And for those people, great, you know, enjoy whatever you're enjoying. But here in Austin, we've actually... um, you use the UU Church for events and stuff, and, and I, I know. Anyway, you can continue with the. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It. So um, you know, in a lot of in a lot of communities, atheists do end up in UU churches, uh, especially if there's no at, real active atheist group, because you know they want the community. And uh, so I was I was raised in that church, and I went to Sunday school there, and. Uh, you know, more often than not, we would, because no kid really likes going to Sunday school, so my brother and I would ditch and ditch class and go off and hunt for lizards. But uh, in any event, when I was a teenager, I um, that's kind of when I fell in with the, the group there, the high school group. And that was a just a community of kids my age who were very accepting. And I was coming off of a really hard time. My best friend was killed in a car accident when I was... 15, and I was feeling a little lost, and I just found this group of people who just accepted me unconditionally, and that that really hooked me in there. Um, so I, you know, I went to the UU church until I was graduated from high school, and then like a lot of UU kids, you start college and you kind of, you know, stop going to church. Not just UU, yeah, well, kids, kids in, in any denomination kind of stop doing that for the most part. And, and then and then they get a little older and they get married and they have kids and then they start going back to church. <laughs> That's kind of universal. So, uh, and and we did that. We actually, my ex-wife and I were founding members of one of the local Austin UU churches, Live Oak UU. Uh, I was real involved with them for many years. And then a guy from this new group called the Atheist Community of Austin came and spoke at our church one day and was telling us about the group. And I thought you know, this this is really good. I want to support Community for Atheists, even though I'm involved with this church. Um, so I joined the ACA and kind of was a non-participating member for many years um, because I wanted to support that. And, uh, you know, life happens, and I ended up leaving the church for, you know, for personal reasons. I, I went through a divorce and... Um, and uh, you know, I was already a member of this group, and I said, hey, you know, I'm going to start coming to some of the events and showed up at the TV show and said, hey, I know how to work cameras and got involved that way. And so that was in 2006, and I've kind of been working as crew on the show ever since. And, uh, you know, this is my second time here on the other side of the table, but uh, glad and to it's, be here. And it's, it's interesting 
because you say, you know, 2006, and I've been doing the show since uh, March of 2005, although I didn't actually uh, take over as host until, I think, 2006. Um, but my memory is such that John's just always been here. So, I mean, uh, and, and that's, you know, that's pretty much the way things work around here. Granted, I'm here, uh, I'm supposed to be here three, three out of four weeks with Russell taking one, but Russell's been filling in a lot because I've had to travel for stuff, and there's five co-hosts that we rotate, rotate through and various guests. Um, but there's a handful of people whose names pop up at the end who are like, here like clockwork pretty much every week for as many years as I've been doing the show. Um, and they're the ones that actually make the show happen. Uh, we, I just sit out here and talk. So, <laughs> so it's good to have you out here with us. Um, good to be here. Is there anything else you wanted to kind of touch on or just dive into calls? Uh, we could dive into calls, I think. Cool. We've got, is it, is it Lisa? Yeah. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Good. How are you guys? We're pretty good. I'm pretty good. Good. Glad that you took my call. Guys, you know, I've been watching you for a while, and I have to say you're articulate, smart, and, and my son and I really enjoyed, you know, hearing you guys. But right. I just Thanks. often wonder sometimes, and I know that you always have the courtroom scene and, you know, you know, prove it to me beyond a reasonable doubt, and I love that because, really, it's definitely hard to prove that the existence of God. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to say, how do you handle... What if you're wrong knowing how the Christians believe what the consequences really are? Like, I, it's mind-blowing to me only because I've had my own personal experiences, so God is, you know, definitely real, and it's just amazing. The more I believe, the more he shows me. But then I say, wow, it, you know, the consequences are real for me. How do you handle that? Or what do you say about that? What if you're wrong? If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. Um, I, 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 the big thing is... There's, you know, obviously you have a belief, and so there's a presumption that there's some uh, risk on my part. Uh, right. From where I sit, I'm risking being wrong about every religion, and you're risking being wrong about every religion except yours. And right. I don't know how much time you've spent worrying about other religions' heavens or hells, um, but I don't think it's probably very high. And I don't spend any time worrying about anybody's heavens or hells. I... You, you know, I, I live my life. I have uh, sincerely and honestly pursued these things. I used to be a believer. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've looked around, and if it turns out that I die right. and I'm still alive in some sense um, and there was a God, I'd have to know. I can't really answer it because I'd have to know a lot more about that. So the first thing is there'd be a lot of questions. Um, any God that wants to... Um, condemn me to eternal torment and suffering, um, well, I can't do anything to stop them, but if they're willing to do that, um, knowing who I am and what kind of life I've led and how I honestly followed the evidence, um, right. as far as I can tell, it's their fault that I don't know they exist, and if they want to punish me for that, then they're a moral thug, and I'll be happy to live you know, in eternal anguish knowing that I'm morally superior to them. Okay, no, I accept. I I, I accept that. Um, I, I wouldn't even know what to say to that, and I wouldn't want to argue with you. But um, okay, I'm praying for you guys. I I just hope that you know you see the light at least. Um, just reconsider maybe at some point. But thank you for I, taking my call. I appreciate it. Sure, I reconsider all the time, and I'll tell you this because this is kind of what I told my parents, and that's uh, you may be in a similar position, and that's. They believe that there's a God. They believe right. that God is real. They believe that God answers prayer. 
They believe that God wants me to know that he exists. And so what I told them was, okay, pray that God reveals himself to me because um, if that happens, I'm not going to deny it. But until it does, I'm not going to be you know, persuaded by emotional appeals and other people's claims about their experiences because I have no way of verifying them. And, right. you know, to me it's a big question as to why, you know, why is Saul deserving of a Damascus Road experience, but the rest of us are just kind of, you know, take it on faith. And I, I can't do that. And, and what I can say is, well, I don't know what would convince me. If, right. there, if there is a God, that God absolutely knows what would convince me and it should be capable of doing it, and yet for some reason hasn't done it. Now, that reason could be that he doesn't exist, or right. it could be that there's some other plan that I'm not privy to. But until such time as it happens, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to change my mind just because maybe there could... Po- I don't even know how people determined it was possible that there could be a God. Well, you, well, you know, for me, it, I was a non-believer for so many years and, and then fell into some you know, sickness and, and not feeling good and anxious. And, and I finally gave up and said, I can't take it anymore, so let me start praying. And I asked other people to pray. And I will tell you, not instantaneously, instantaneously but after five years, I not only began to see miracles, I was healed. Um, he started to reveal himself more and more to the point where I know him like I know my name is Lisa. So I know people aren't with me in that because everybody's experience is different, but I just now know that the more you believe or the more you ask him to reveal himself, he definitely will. So then you should probably probably ask God why he hasn't revealed himself. I mean, if you know him like you know your own name, then why don't you ask him why he hasn't done anything to convince me? Because I think free will then goes out the window if he does. No, 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 no. Do you believe that there's there's a Satan? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Does, doesn't Satan have free will, and doesn't he absolutely know better than anybody in history that exactly that there is a God and what God's power is? Absolutely, yes. So, yes, so, the, so the absolute knowledge that a God exists doesn't in any way infringe on free will. And, uh-huh. and, I, and I find it curious that you went immediately to, I think there, that would violate free will instead of, okay, I'll actually ask God and see what he says. Well, no, and you're right. I didn't think of that, but I, I definitely will do that. I will ask him and say, why, why do I know and why can't they know? Why does somebody leave the church or leave, you know, uh, having a foundation in Christianity? What, where, how come he can't be where I am? Yeah, I will definitely do that. I cool. think that's a good point. If he answers you, call back and let me know what he says. <laughs> I will, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, because they're raised in it, they develop this fear before they e- or even reach the age of, um, you know, logical thought. And that's a deep-seated fear um, that takes some breaking away from. Um, Lisa said she was an unbeliever for many years, but I was going to ask her, yeah. so, sorry, I can't now that you've hung up, but... Uh, she didn't, uh, if she, didn't she was really raised, want to take talk to take questions. I had some too, but go ahead. Yeah, if she was raised that way, because that to me that would make a difference. Not being raised in it, um, you know, basically that's Pascal's wager. What if you're wrong? Yeah. But if you're not raised in that, then it's like, what if you're wrong about the afterlife of Thor or the Klingon afterlife? It's that, that's kind of how I look at it. It's you, you know, it, there's no emotional attachment to that outcome. It, it's it's. If it turns they're out they're all the, equivalent. If it turns out the Muslims are right, then Lisa's screwed. Yeah. Um, and I might not entirely be so screwed. I mean, there, there's a plethora of potential gods out there who might just reward, 
you know. I, there's, a, there's a Jewish gentleman that's been tweeting at me this week. Um, he was going to call in uh, to tell me why I was wrong about the whole God thing. And I explained I wasn't going to be on the show today. Russell couldn't make it, so I'm filling in. Um, so I actually am here. But one of the things that came up was he said, well, uh, God, it's, you know, it says in either the Torah or the Tanakh uh, that God doesn't want us to know that he exists until the Messiah arrives. And what I had to point out to him was, he, had, he said belief in God isn't a requirement or important. And so I don't know what he's objecting to about my lack of belief. But he not only believes in a God, he believes in a God that he believes doesn't want to reveal himself until the Messiah. So he believes with the understanding that he has no good reason for belief, mm-hmm. and yet he abides by, he thinks he knows what God wants. God doesn't want to reveal himself until this later time. This is what this book says. So I'm going to take this book's word for it. So now he's got not just a belief in a God based on a book, but a belief on a, in God and a belief about what God wants, mm-hmm. all of which is utterly unjustified. Right. I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm baffled by actually how that works. Well, and theologists have, have worked for millennia trying to figure out ways of justifying why God doesn't reveal himself directly to people anymore. You know, they, they've come up with a whole set of yeah. of, of uh, ideas around why that is, and free will is one of them, and, you know, there's others. Yeah, the free will one doesn't fly, because, first of all, um, we may not even have free will. And the type of libertarian free will that most religions, including Christianity, are offering, uh, we almost certainly don't have that. Uh, but the, the Satan example that I brought up before is probably the go-to argument for, for Christianity uh, as, as far as free will is concerned. Because they tend to have this idea that there was a, not just not just Satan, but an, an entire army of angels that rebelled, knowing exact. I mean, they they know God better than any of us could possibly they lived with him. You know. Right. But I don't know. We've got uh, William in California. How are you? Hey, can you guys hear me? Okay. We can. Yep. Welcome to the show. Okay, I had a question for you. I just wanted to ask. This leads to another question, but I wanted to know your opinion or your what your thought is on where blacks and whites came from? Did they come from the same ape? Sorry, well, I didn't hear you. I wanted to know if you feel blacks and whites came from the same ape. From the same ape? ape? All humans share a common ancestor, so yes. Okay, so an ape-like white diverge from there, and maybe perhaps one was more advanced. They evolved faster because I don't see them evolving the same progression. How does that happen? I don't. Okay, so I don't necessarily know what you mean because evolution isn't the latter. There's no goal. There's no more evolved or less evolved. Um, so the concepts that you're talking about just don't make sense in the light of the okay. science. Okay. How did how did whites and blacks? How did they diverge? How did how do we have blacks and how do we have whites? They're just variations among the same race. I don't think that we've evolved any differently. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we evolve, and there are changes that take place, and one of those changes, um, probably due to uh, isolation, uh, population isolation, is skin pigmentation. Um, you know, why are you just focused on black and whites? Because, um, first of all, there's an, an incredibly broad spectrum of ethnic diversity on the planet just among humans. Um, but th- that doesn't say anything about who's more evolved or less evolved. 
Well, what I'm trying to ask is how did how did white and black people come about? Because if they're from the same age, how did we get black skin and how did we get white skin? The same way we got people with, you know, different shaped eyes, the same way we got people with different body types. Right, diversity. We have to have a genetic code for diversity. But how did we get black and white skin if we're all from the same age? I just told you. The same way that we got all the other changes. So you're not giving me a concrete answer. You're just saying, oh, there's just changes. I, how, what, how are, are you looking for me to say that 650,000 years ago, this one tribe split off and their skin darkened? And I can't pinpoint an actual location or time. Um, but we know from genetics that all human beings, black, white, and otherwise, share a common ancestor. How can we prevent, if someone wants to say, if, if history repeats itself, how can we prevent racism if everyone believes in evolution where it's just up in the air, you can just choose whatever you want to believe? You don't just choose what you want to believe. Belief's not a simple choice. Evolution has nothing to do with racism. Um, Racism is is a, a prejudicial view of ethnicities that are based on biases that have nothing to do with... I, look, look, look. I want to give you a scenario that happened just a hundred years ago uh, when Darwin said that the Australian Aborigines were descendants of an ape-man. Yeah. We had explorers go out there and they killed thousands of men. They were called skull hunters. I, they killed these guys and brought them back to zoos. Well, yeah. And on display for William? people to look at have some of the skulls in museums. William? And you guys sit there and talk about the Salem witch trials, which they, w- they William. for that. William. Yes. Darwin was wrong, and the people who did that were wrong. There's nothing about However, ever. They, 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 would they you shut Afro- up and let me finish? They did Afro- Would you shut up and let me finish? Go for it. There's nothing about evolution, properly understood, that leads to that. That is, people coming to the wrong conclusion. Now you compare this to you guys want to complain about wow. the Salem, you guys want to complain about the Salem witch trials and that's because in the Bible it specifically says thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. There is nothing like that in evolution. There's nothing in the genetic code that says thou shalt dislike the person whose color is different from yours. It doesn't work that way. You're comparing a scientific understanding of the diversity of life with a book that explicitly says to kill people. And you're saying, wow, to me? Well, I'm yet to see where it says in the New Testament, you know, not the Old Testament, New Testament, because we're under a new covenant, where it says to kill people that are witches. Um, Oh, okay. So so, so I thank you very much, and I hope you never again use mockery as far as Salem witch trials go in your argument. William, I'm, I'm getting ready to mock you mercilessly. Go for it. Why on earth do you just want to toss out the Old Testament? That's where your creation myth comes from. That's where original sin comes from. Was your God just wrong in all of the Old Testament when he sanctioned slavery and the killings? Did he? Did, was he a psychopath who got better in the New Testament? Why do you get to throw out the? Why do you get to throw out the majority of your book because it's inconvenient for you? No, it's not, and I can I can argue it too because first of all, in the Old Testament. Not all men was under the covenant. We were, we had atonement. God was our atonement. So everything was free. You could you could kill someone because there was no law. We are under law now. Wow, that's absolutely bizarre. So so if anybody who wasn't under your God's law, 
It wasn't wrong for them to kill. But what I'm asking is, your God specifically sanctioned slavery and murder. No, he didn't. How? Exodus 21. Have you not read it? It specifically tells you who you can enslave and who you can't, and how much to pay for them, and that you can beat them as long as they don't die. He specifically ordered Moses to run around slaughtering people, along with Joshua and pretty much everyone and everybody else of the barbarian Jews who ran around slaughtering anybody that got in their path. Your God, your God, according to the Bible that you like, or the part, not the part that you like, because you only like the New Testament, um, but in the Old Testament. Your God specifically sanctioned those things, including slaughtering entire peoples and keeping all the virgin girls for yourselves. You know, those arguments right there, I've argued so long. You could go for days just arguing because it's all context. You have to take it in the right context. Okay, so there, you're saying there's some context in which it's okay to own slaves, beat slaves, slaughter people, and rape virgins. There's a context for that? Let's take one at a time. Which is your argument? Is it beat, is it beat slaves, own slaves? Which one is it? Um, own, we'll start with a simple one. Owning another human being is property. What is okay. the context in which that's okay? In the Old Testament, owning slaves was not the same as beating them like that. Wrong. 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 Wrong, William. 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 William, shut up. The question was, owning people as property, what makes it moral? Well, what makes it immoral if your if your viewpoint if your standpoint is from no morality? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, a, you're the one who's here. To, you're the one who said you could defend this. That there was a context. You don't get to divert by asking broader questions about morality. I'm asking you, what is the context by which you justify the biblical authorization to own other people as property? You said there was context. I want to know what it is. Okay, well, like I said, back then, if you did not have money to support yourself, people offered themselves as slaves for work. This is not about indentured servitude. This is about owning people as property. Word for word, what is the context that I'm missing? Well, first of all, okay, I want to know how, how you feel that is wrong. From your... From you know, your hey, William, goodbye. Done. I'll let you take the next one. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a drink. Sorry, you don't get to toss out the majority of your holy book because it's inconvenient. Then claim that you can defend it. And then claim that I'm wrong because there's some context that makes it right. And then lie about what it actually says. You're either ignorant of what your book says or you are lying to make excuses for it. And all your diversions about morality, I don't have time to give you a lecture on morality. You can go Google superiority of secular morality and hear what I actually have to say about it, and we can actually have discussions, but I think you're being incredibly dishonest because I think we both agree, like almost everybody on the fucking planet, that owning another human being as property that you can pass down to your kids is immoral, and yet your book sanctions it. And by the way, killing witches, immoral. The same thing about if a man lies with a man as he lies with a woman, they've committed abomination and are deserving to be put to death, also immoral. Your book is a cavalcade of immorality. It is a nightmarish parade through your God's failures and bloodlust. And the fact that you want to just chuck all of that inconvenience aside, hang on to original sin, the Ten Commandments, and Jesus makes you an idiot on that subject. No two ways about it. This is not just an ad hominem, oh, he just called me an idiot instead of addressing my argument. No, I did both. Your argument is stupid, and you're stupid for trying to offer it. You don't know what you're talking about.
hey, it's been a while since I had a really good rant. Yeah. That ought to get put up on YouTube this as a clip. what happens when you interrupt me from my homemade chili that I was making today. And came in the show. Well, and he wants to throw out the Old Testament, but isn't the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament? Yep. Is he throwing that out Along to you? Along with the other 603 that yeah, the Protestants ignore. Yes, where, according to the Bible, we're under different covenants. I can't believe that people call in and think that we don't really know this stuff. There's you know, the Mosaic Law, the Noahic Law, and then there's Jesus. Um, okay, even if that was the case, well, why would you think that you can just shuck that aside? I mean, if Jesus came and made everything better and put us under a new covenant, please explain to me how the old covenant of actually running around slaughtering people was moral. Now, William Lane Craig will, another apologist will. They'll say, hey, God said to do it. God is moral. Therefore, this by, was moral. By definition, good. whatever yeah. God does is moral. Yeah. Great. So when God told um, Abraham to kill Isaac, that was moral. Oh, he stopped him, though he stopped him. Yes, yes, he did, supposedly. But why would you need to do that test in the first place? It's okay for Moses to run around cap- killing and capturing people and keeping the virgin girls for yourselves, which they probably just did by age. I'm pretty sure they didn't do a gynecological exam on all of them to figure out <laughs> who was a virgin, uh, but it's still completely sick. But Hey, what do I know? I'm just a godless heathen who spent 20-some-odd years uh, teaching and preaching this stuff. Alex and Sunderland, how are you? Hi. Wow. Uh, Hi, Alex. I actually want to talk about this discrimination, but I don't know if I want to after that. Oh, go right ahead. I'm going to uh, shut up and let John answer you. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm on the spot now. Okay. Um, well, I, I, I'm, try- I'm going for the concept of in God we trust being on money and under God being in the Pledge of Allegiance, and I want to talk about how that's not just, okay, I mean, that's, that's actual discrimination against us as atheists. Yeah. Okay. So, but I want to start with uh, racism as an example of what discrimination is, and not hesitant to do it. <laughs> as long um, as we're not starting with racism coming from evolution, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, no, well, just uh, here's a, a purely hypothetical situation. Is Suppose the three of us uh, work together, and uh, it's a large company, and there's uh, at least one black person in the company. And the three of us make a habit of going and sitting at, every day at lunch. We go and sit near this person, and we start uh saying nasty things and using the N-word and just being racial jerks. Now, that should just get us canned, right? I would hope so. Okay. Now, instead of doing that, suppose we we, uh, looked at each other and said, hey, my skin is lighter than yours. Uh, I'm I'm a better person than you, and uh, I deserve this promotion more than you. And we're sitting this next to a black man. And isn't the obvious implication that the black man is not a good person? I guess. I mean, the way you phrased it, I guess that would be the implication. Sure. That you think that that's true anyway. Yeah. But suppose we just kept doing that day after day. We kept sitting next to this person and saying, wow, my skin is so light. I'm such a good person because sure. my skin is white. Yeah. Do you think 
Yeah, that would be. Would, ever get, would that ever get us fired? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I, I would hope so. Harassment. Yeah. Yeah, and it, isn't that what uh, "In God We Trust" is on money is doing? Is no, not necessarily. Who, it probably is to some extent. Um, along with a lot of other religious discussions, you could you could be sitting. You don't you don't need "In God We Trust" for that analogy. It could just be uh, me sitting at a table full of Christians, and they're talking about how. Um, how they used to be these terrible unbelievers who did horrible things, but now God's made all that better. Um, you know, it doesn't matter whether it says in God we trust on the money. I was going to shut up and let you answer this. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> but I mean, not not yeah. all not all discrimination and not all, not all discrimination on every category um, is equivalently bad or harmful. Okay. Well, it, isn't it kind of like saying I believe in God more than you do? I pray ten times a day, and you only pray five times a day. And I go to church every week, and you only go to church every other week. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a kind of discrimination? It's prejudice more than discrimination. It depends whether you have power over the other person, if they're if they, uh, you know, have any way of getting away from you, or they have some kind of power over your job, or. Well, this is the government. This is this is this isn't about discrimination. This is about your example was about like creating a hostile work environment and engaging in you know the type of uh, talk that's not conducive to a good work environment. Right. I mean, you're free to be a racist. You're free to express your racist views. Um, You probably shouldn't do it in the workplace um, because you are likely to get fired because you're creating a hostile work environment. Um, but yeah, you can stand on the, on the street corner and be racist all you want. That's that's what free speech is about. But our government shouldn't be doing it. Well, are yep. you, are... But but okay. So are you still there? Hello. Evidently, we have a problem with line one. That's the second one we lost. Oh, I think maybe all the lines reset. Can we go ahead and, and double check all all the lines and all the callers on there? It looks. Oh, now we have no callers. Yeah, uh, we just dropped, dumped everybody. It looks like. Yeah, we'll we'll let them reset that and rescreen real quick, and, and we'll kind of talk about this because. Yeah. I'm opposed to "In God We Trust" on the money, and uh, under God in the pledge. Um, yeah, I think my my main opposition is that it's not true. In in God, some of us trust, but it's making a statement on behalf of the entire country, um, because you know some people in the majority who, in the '50s, didn't like communists and equated. Uh, being godless with being communist decided, okay, we'll put it on the money and that'll make us a better country. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't know if I'd call it discrimination, but it's definitely, it creates a hostile environment towards, uh, not just atheists, but people who don't believe in the, the God that they're talking about. Right. And it's, you know, there's always, we pointed out before the incredible irony of inserting, uh, one of the most divisive phrases you could come up with under God, right before the word indivisible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, there's a, a grand irony there. The question is, though, um, are you actually discriminated against by the government? And that's a more difficult question to tackle. Um, when it comes to church separation stuff, I, I object to both of those. Um, I'd like to see them fixed. Uh, I don't think they are good battlegrounds for us now and, and, you know, you're you're always risking setting a bad precedent. Uh, I'd like to see those changed. They're not the biggest issues that I think we have. Um, there's plenty of favoritism that goes on, like the parsonage exemption, where ministers you get to like deduct what they pay for their house um, from their taxes, type thing. Um, and 
there are people who are, are fighting those issues. Um, but the Constitution... So I, I was in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, last weekend for uh, Convention Reason in the Rock. And I had to, like, add a part to my talk because somebody asked, here in Arkansas and in a bunch of other states, it, and the Constitution for the state says you have to be a believer to hold office, and what are we going to do about that? And I had to remind them that, you know, this, is, this has been... A, a solved problem uh, yeah. for a lot of years. Your Constitution will say that forever, by the way. Even if you pass an amendment, that text is still there. It's just that now there's text down here that supersedes it. And instead of having that text, which can be costly, um, requires a vote that you're unlikely to actually get. Texas says you can't hold office unless you believe in God. We're not going to pass an amendment. Texas is far too religious to actually get people to vote to pass that amendment to amend that part of the Constitution. But we don't have to rely on that because we have case law. There's Tercaso v. Watkins. Uh, or no, is that right? Yeah. Um, and then there's also... Uh, so Tercaso v. Watkins, it was in 1961? I think or that's 62, right. somewhere around there, um, where a guy was running for notary uh, in Maryland? Maryland or Massachusetts? Uh, and uh, the case was eventually decided by the Supreme Court, and they relied on a previous decision... Um, as well, which was, a, well, I don't think it was Brown versus Board of Education, but there was another one um, that basically said the state can't endorse you to, or encourage you to do religious observance. And then they followed that up with, you know, you've got freedom of, freedom of religion, freedom of free expression. Um, and so they cannot, and the Constitution, by the way, says that uh, no religious test can ever be held for any public office or trust, so they, they can't do that. And yeah. then the 14th Amendment, I think it is, that extends that to the states. So it's a done deal. We don't have to worry about that. Yeah, it's, it's still on the books, but it's the unenforceable. It's kind of like a lot of states still have uh, statutes outlawing abortion completely, but they're, they're not enforceable because of Supreme Court decisions. And there's a bunch of states that are trying to pass uh, state amendments against same-sex marriage. But same-sex marriage is not a done deal. I'm not going to claim that we were victorious already, uh, but we pretty much are. It, it, states are caving all over the place, and uh, there's the problem of being married in one state and not in another um, and how this all works. It, it, this is a battle that is uh, be, being one, um, marriage equality. It's just a matter of we're time. Not, we're not done with it, and it may be a little while, but uh, the dominoes are starting to fall. But even though that case was done in the 60s, when um, uh, Herb Silverman ran for office in South Carolina, he had to kind of fight the battle again because for some reason the word never gets out that this is a done deal. Um, <laughs> but by all means, if you're atheist, uh, atheist, agnostic, free thinker, whatever label you want to put on your secular individuals, run. Run for every office your little legs can carry you to. And... Um, you know, you don't have to run for president or be the senator. And actually, you may have more power if you run for state board of education and local school boards to make changes in your local area um, and kind of tip the balance nationally in the long run. Ah. Well, that, that's kind of weird. We've got Chris in Fort Worth on the same topic. Oh, different guy, but same topic. Hey, Chris. Hey, am I on there? You are. Hey, Oddly Chris. enough, it says you were talking about in God We Trust. Yeah, well, I decided to call in when I heard you mention that because I've, I've had a question that's kind of been burning for a little while. Um, I'll, I'll try to make it brief. So uh, I am an atheist, and I, I completely agree with your objection that in God We Trust doesn't 
isn't a good model. I think e pluribus unum is much better. But more inclusive. I, I was never uh, I wasn't raised in a religious background, so I, I don't have that context of that personally. But it doesn't even seem to make sense to me in the context of a theist because typically the whole point of a government is we don't just like hope that God is going to solve our problems. We have a military. We protect our borders. You know, we try to clean our water. We don't just pray for our problems to go away. Mm -hmm. And I think inherent in that action and in taking actions on our, uh, you know, uh, uh, ourselves to try to improve our lives, that is in a sense not trusting that God's going to come in and fix them. And when I've when I've pointed this out to to some theists, usually the answer I get is, "Oh, well, you don't understand what trust means." Yeah. Uh, and my my response back to that is well trust in any other context when we use that word means that that's what it means so in the religious context you should be using a different word if that's what trust is i just wanted to get your take on that because you've been on both sides of the fence i agree okay you agree with me i agree with you we're both right woohoo all right well that's all i got thanks thanks chris thanks chris yeah, yeah it's uh it's trust isn't the only word that they play around with what it means. It happens all the time. Faith is the, probably the most common one. Um, and I debated uh, Cliff Connectly a month or so ago in uh, San Marcos for the second time. We debated once before. Um, I don't, the video is not up yet, or if it is, I haven't been told about it yet. Uh, as soon as it is, I'll, I'll let everybody know so they can go watch it. Uh, but this, this idea of faith that Cliff has and that others have is that Faith to them is when you believe something that you're not absolutely certain about. And that definition of faith, um, it just doesn't wash. It's, it's an attempt to make all... So there's very few things that we're certain about. We believe all sorts of things, and we usually have really good reasons. But using that definition, faith is when you believe something that you're not absolutely certain about. Um, basically takes this whole spectrum of, I have really good reasons to believe and almost no good reasons to believe, and says, that's all faith. It's all the same. Which yeah. attempts to make the stuff on this end look exactly like the stuff on this end, which is just a horrible equivocation fallacy. Because um, my belief that this cup has water in it is, is on vastly different footing from your belief in, you know, an invisible man in the sky, uh, which I know is a caricature of religious belief that's not accurate. Um, but you might have better better epistemological reasons, justifications for a magic man in the sky than what you actually do profess to believe in. Um, this idea that you believe in something and don't have good reasons for it is just bizarre. But. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think there's anything that you can be totally, absolutely certain about, um, but there's definitely a continuum. Some things are more justified than others. So, yeah, I may, I may have faith that the sun is going to rise tomorrow, but um, that's not the same as... Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's why, one of the reasons why I don't use the term. People say, you have, you have faith. Well, no, I don't, because I have a different definition of faith, and faith is the excuse people give when they don't have a good reason, and I tend to try to have good reasons for things. And if you point out something that I believe that I don't have a good reason for it, then I can't believe it anymore. I mean, it's not just a matter of I won't believe it anymore. I can't. Yeah. My, my brain just doesn't doesn't work that way, you know, once once it's been exposed that, hey, you're believing this and there's no good reason, just, I, I don't know. I don't have anything else on that. We'll go to, uh, is it Evie in Detroit? Uh, hello? Hi, is this Evie? Yes, it is. Hi. 
You're on the air. Thanks for calling. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I uh, just wanted to share a story. I am an individual with I'm autistic, and I was raised Christian, uh, mm-hmm. which is not a very good combination, let me assure you. People who say they take uh, the Bible literally, no, they don't. It's not possible. Yeah. But um, I, I couldn't believe it by science. I couldn't believe it by, you know, reading the book. So I wanted to relate some experience. And I, you know, not knowing better, wanted one. And I got my wish when I was about 14. I, um, I ended up being the West Nile. It had nearly killed me, and I had a near-death experience, you know, the whole tunnel of life, floating out of your body, euphoric. And I'm in the hospital, very sick, two of my friends just you know, weeping, and they're like, you've seen Jesus. And I'm like, no, I stepped out on Stargate. It's all the Stargate command team. And uh, he just looked at me kind of weird and said, well, what? Like, no Jesus. I'm like, no Jesus at all. I'm like, spaceships and uh, for some reason the Borg. Oh, <laughs> you had a near-death experience with the Borg. That's cool. Yeah, and... Uh, that's my and new favorite. About it. <laughs> it looked, and I, and I, I told him, I spent oh, a whole week uh, in Stargate Command, and I went on the benches with the team, and Colonel O'Neill. And I, they looked at me like, so no Jesus. I'm like, no Jesus. Yeah, it's, so it's, I, it's actually unfortunate. Um, I mean, uh, you know, we, we hear all these stories about near-death experiences and encounters with angels and tunnels and people who are dead and, you know, various religious figures. And now here's your story. Um, which, you know, I obviously uh, like. I don't think I went to start. I don't think I actually went to a Stargate. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that I like your story because, um, from, from a scientific basis, it potentially provides us a lot more insight into what's actually happening when people report these near-death experiences, and I think it's actually unfortunate that what's probably going to happen is that the people who really like near-death experiences as confirmation of their religion will shrug yours off because you are autistic and they say, did. yeah. Um, I learned, uh, Jesus is proof. Um, Stargate means you need a better hobby. I mean, it's amazing that when I mentioned the Stargate, it went from a spiritual experience to a well-known fact of biology and medicine. Hmm. So uh, I'm like, well... If you can prove God's real from your experience, I just did one up. I proved that kill travels real. <laughs> and right. uh, so that kind of put a nail in the coffin for any chance of belief for me because it's like, well, I don't believe I actually went to Atlantis. Yeah, if that I just was wanted it. to call in and share that. Well, if, thanks so much for doing that. Yeah, thanks, Evie. Yeah, if that was real, real stuff going on, then... Jesus would be showing himself to Muslims Whoops. having near-death experiences, and he doesn't. Muslims see symbols that are meaningful to them, and Christians see symbols that are meaningful to them. And, um, yeah, that tends to that, be the case. That, 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 that tends to make me think that you're, this isn't something that's objectively real happening to you. This is something your brain is doing, and it's using symbols, like, like dreaming. It's using symbols that have some meaning or um, power for you. There's a lot of really cool experiments and, and methods of investigating things that um, I, I wish we could do. Unfortunately, they're just completely unethical. I mean, um, people have asked before, okay, if something's true, then if we wiped the memories and thoughts of everybody and isolated them off somewhere, then they would discover those things. 
you know. And so if your religion is true, um, then if we took... I'm not saying we should actually do this. I'm talking hypothetically. If we took a bunch of newborns and found a deserted island and let them raise themselves, uh, and they came up with this same Jesus story, that would be just absolutely remarkable to the point where we would have to really look into how did this this come about? I mean, is is it more likely that this story is actually true, that they've discovered something true? Uh, And what people have done, because we can't actually do experiments like that, if you don't understand why not, um, I, go look up like medical ethics and, and scientific <laughs> experimental ethics and things. But what they do is they just assume that that's the case. And so they look around at the world religions and say, oh, everybody kind of came up with something kind of similar. So they're all touching on some underlying truth. And so they all got it a little bit wrong, but there's some underlying truth. And really they're, they're describing um, the things that unify us as, as human beings. Our discomfort with not knowing, our, our search for explanations, and just the human uh, propensity to, to try to explain stuff that's that you don't have an answer for, and also cultures influence each other. Even you know more so now, but even in ancient times, they sailed around and talked to each other, and they kind of all share some of the same myths and ideas. So there's you know they they're they're all influenced by each other. All right, we got uh, Tony in San Francisco. How are you? Hi, how are you? Can you hear me? We can. Hi, Thanks Tony. for calling. Okay. Thank you. Um, great. I just had uh, an interesting question um, I wanted to uh, pose regarding, uh, I'm an atheist, and um, just regarding the resurrection of Jesus, I was curious um, why we never recognize this resurrected creature to be a zombie, the zombie Christ. Um, well, there are probably some people who would consider it that, and I guess, I guess under most definitions, it would technically Jesus would technically the Jesus story would technically qualify. Um, the 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 funnier thing is that if they wanted to come up with some special categorization categorization that that excludes him from being a zombie, um, which is probably the case that they would try to do. Uh, if you read the account in Matthew, uh, there were a bunch of zombies that got yeah. up out of their graves and marched on Jerusalem. And I'm just wondering why nobody else has ever reported this. I mean, because that's... I mean, if, if you were living in Jerusalem at the time, you could have been maybe sitting around your house and maybe not heard about the itinerant rabbi that they strung up and put up on and crucified. Um, you might not have noticed the temple... Uh, uh, oh, the, the cloth being ripped, or the sun in the sky, and all these other things. But certainly, you would have heard quite a bit about the zombies that came marching into Jerusalem. You would think. And you would think that other historians might have reported this, and yet not even the other gospel writers report it, just just Matthew. Uh, Right. But yeah, uh, maybe maybe we didn't have a good word for zombies. Um, Yeah, I know it's part of the lore of Haiti, and probably maybe was was not... uh, something that was conceived until, you know, centuries later, but it's, that's what it is, right? Well, they weren't, they weren't evidently running around looking for brains. They were running around looking for hearts. Um, yeah. Because you don't need any brains. Oh, sorry, that was kind of... Right. <laughs> and, and George Romero, I think, he's, is that the guy who did this first, that made the zombie concept 
Yeah, uh, I think so. Author, yeah. With the, with the yeah. first Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. I think he's the one who developed or who um, put that um, trait to the zombie, you know, as far as eating brains. He was, yeah, before then they were just, fun. hey, they used to be dead and now they're not dead. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Like Lazarus. La- yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. I have lots of other, you know, questions and stuff, but I'll call another time. Cool. Thanks, Tony. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Got. I can't get to line two. There it All is. right. Is it Zala in Slovenia? Hi. Hi. Thanks uh, for waiting. I, I, oh, my God. I can't believe I got through. <laughs> hi, Zala. Um, I, hi. Um, I just, uh, I'm calling from the other side of the globe just to tell you that you are wonderful, all oh, of you guys. You. And I don't think you actually are aware of just how important your work is. Well, thank you. So I just want you to know that you're very, very important for this whole civilization. <laughs> thank you so much. All right, don't put too um, much on my shoulders. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Um, and now to my question. Uh-huh. Um, I live in a country that's not particularly super religious. Uh, we are a Christian country, but I'm an atheist. Um, but we do have this epidemic going on. Uh, where we just people, you know, would be atheists, but would really bind to the whole homeopathic New Age agenda and just use homeopathic drugs quite religiously. And um, I'm having trouble when I'm speaking to people like that because I don't know how to get them to say that they don't actually believe that these drugs work. They just want them to work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I don't... I don't know too much about... Uh, I don't know much about the free speech laws and what you can do. I don't know much about the bunko laws and what you can potentially uh, get the government involved on. And I don't know if you have a very uh, vocal... No, we're a very free democratic society. We're in the middle of Europe between Austria, Italy, uh, Hungary, and Croatia. We're in the EU, so... We're a completely democratic society. People are free and are free to think for themselves. Then it's just—it's the, just a level of mental retardation that I've been experiencing in Slovenia recently. It's just been really worrying, and I just don't know how to address it. Yeah, I would—I would definitely look to see if there is a uh, skeptic society, a skeptic community in your area, and if not, um, you can start one. And if, if, this, if this is a massive uh, problem, then it's probably, I mean, you're, you're close enough to the U.K. that you could get, you know, a lot. There's a, a really strong skeptic community in the U.K., um, and I would imagine maybe they could tool over and put together an event um, and have, like, demonstrations. First of all, the, you know, the, the, the James Randi Educational Foundation did a test uh, on homeopathy, which, of course, it failed. Um, and one, right. of the, one of the more popular things to do is to get uh, groups of skeptics together with um, uh, homeopathic remedies for sleeplessness that are supposed to, you know, knock you out if you take a couple right. of pills and just and down just the whole bottle. Yeah. yeah, just have everybody down the whole bottle because it's just sugar pills. Um, no, I mean, James Bond has been doing that for several years now, and it's just, uh, when I when I mention that to my, you know, friends here who believe in that stuff and actually treat their children with the stuff when they're really, really ill, you know, it's just, 
I always said the whole thing, you know, you, you don't believe that there are special forces in this universe that you can't define, and they've got nothing to do with religion, but they do work, you know, because my children get better eventually. Well, see, the thing is... The thing is that they could still believe all those things and all those things could be true. There could be all kinds of forces that we don't know about that, that actually do this stuff. I don't see any reason to believe that it's true, but I can't prove that it's not. But what we can demonstrate is that homeopathy... Well, that homeopathy is absolute crap. So even if there is this special something, they should stop using the homeopathy and start looking for whatever that special something is and get their kids real medicine in the interim. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Dang it. I'm okay. gonna break our microphone. Well, but yeah, I, I would definitely, you know, contact some one of the skeptic societies and see, you know, what they're doing and how you can get involved. Um, and and it may be as much as, you know, taking out newspaper ads or uh, you know, getting the local news involved with uh, Yeah, the local news is not really interested in that stuff. They're actually, you know, promoting this stuff in local newspapers and on T V and it's just um, it's it's depressing to watch it, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Fox News every day on every channel, you know. <laughs> Oh. Um, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. There's a I lot of. Oh, I do. <laughs> I only watch when like Dave Silverman's on. <laughs> All right. There's a um, lot. Anyway. There's a lot of people in the United States who who do that too. Um, I don't know how prevalent it, it is here compared to there, but um, you know, true homeopathy is just something that's diluted so much that it's water. Um, but, exactly. But a lot of people hear. argument, and they just don't just, just dismiss it. A lot of people here, though, use that term when they really mean something else, like naturopathic or you know herbal remedy, and they'll call it homeopathic. Um, right. It's still, uh, you know, so so some of those things may have some basis in science. They may be uh, natural remedies that actually have some active ingredient that that is used in medication. Uh, it's just kind of an uncontrolled dose. So you kind of have to be but, care- careful I mean, to... Um, they, they, they don't really contain any molecules of the active ingredient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True homeopathy is just something that's diluted so that, yeah, one molecule is left from the original whatever it is. So, right. Holy um, cow, they're putting up the credits. We are out of time. I apologize. Thanks so much for calling, Zala. Oh, well, thank you for, for, for the whole chat. And, and just do you, do you continue your work. You're wonderful. <laughs> Thanks so thank much. Thank you, Zala. I appreciate it. I apologize to all the people we couldn't get to in regard to the fine-tuning of the universe. Um, the universe appears to be fine-tuned for the creation of black holes, and that's about it. But uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks, John. Thanks. Good to be here. Thank you all.